Blog Talk Radio. Fact, 
they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strombergschickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. I've got great news, exciting news, at least for me anyway. Uh, You are listening, whether you're listening live or you're listening to the archive uh, an hour from now, um, three hours from now, three days from now, three years from now, you are listening to the official 1,000th broadcast of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Now, let's be accurate. We've done more than a 1,000 shows, but some were less than par. I deleted them. Some had some technical issues or sound issues during them. After the fact, I went and re-listened to it. Those were deleted. So officially on um, the Blog Talk radio uh, show, it may show 960 episodes or something like that. But this is our seventh year of broadcasting. 
today is officially show 1,000. Um, and to give you an idea, I know it's not quite like comparing apples to apples. I get it. But to give you some comparison, 1,000 episodes of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper, that is more shows than the television show MASH, Friends, and Seinfeld combined. So I believe there's about 270, 275, 280 of both Seinfeld and Friends, and I think there was around 300 of uh, MASH. So um, 1,000 episodes, great chicken information, at least in my opinion, fact-based, science-based, study-based information uh, from the experts I have on like today. Uh, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, He's been coming on for, for quite some time now. Glad to have him as a regular guest every Monday. Today's a special Thursday show because we were on the road Monday. Um, poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. Um, I could just go down the list of all the amazing poultry professionals uh, that have been on and continue to come on on a regular basis on this show, share their knowledge, because we all have one goal in common, and that is to get the right information into your hands as our listeners and our fans. We thank you very much. Uh, we would not have been able to do 1,000 episodes if we didn't have lots of listeners um, and that, that encourage our sponsors to um, uh, support this radio show with their ads. Uh, you've never heard me say, hey, buy this, buy this, buy that, on, when we talk about it on the radio show. Um, I have said in the past, if you go to look for something that you need for your poultry, um, just remember to check our sponsors' websites, check their online stores, check their products. They may be cheaper. They may not be cheaper. They may be a better deal elsewhere. But think about them and the information uh, that you get shared on this radio show. They support this radio show, which means they also support our guests. They support me and my family. Um, so uh, just, just think about that uh, and, and, and consider our sponsors when you go to purchase something for your backyard flock. That's all we say. But um, if it wasn't for our listeners, and we always send uh, try to send a good shout-out to them, the homeschoolers that listen to the show, the over-the-road truck drivers, um, the folks that listen live, the folks that listen to the archive show, iTunes.com, Podcast.com, Zoom.com, we thank you. Um, the, the retail stores that uh, uh, stream the show live and even the archive shows for their customers, uh, we thank you very much uh, as well for supporting it. Everybody that comes out when I'm on tour to come to uh, the speaking engagements, the book signings, thank you. But a 1,000 episodes today the 1,000th episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. So um, I'm very proud of that. I think it's a great thing. Um, and I've told, and I've said this from day one, I'm not the expert. Uh, I just uh, maybe am the medium, if you will, through the magazine, through the podcast, through the national spokesperson role, inside <clears throat> the book, uh, to try to get the right information from the true experts into the hands of the people who want it, the backyard poultry keepers around the world. So uh, thank you very much for being a longtime listener and fan. We do appreciate it. We appreciate your uh, support as well. Today is not going to be any, unlike any other show. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We have Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. Uh, com. We encourage you to visit his site. We often say if they don't have it, you don't need it. That's First State 
vetsupply.com. And today we've got a couple of topics we're going to be talking about. Um, one would be uh, the Merrick's vaccine. Uh, we've done a show a couple of weeks ago all about Merrick's disease. And so today Peter's going to share his knowledge about uh, the vaccine specifically and a lot of misconceptions about the vaccine um, and because uh, it's, uh, it's often uh, confused, and you see a lot of bad information out there about it. So, so the Merrick's vaccine today, as well as chick behavior, maybe even more important, identifying uh, chick behavior, even when they're in the brooder, to maybe try to see which chicks are going to be problem chickens, hens, being hens and roosters. So, um, Great show lined up for you today. There are two chicken coop contests going on right now. One's over on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the chicken whisperer. Go check it out. Scroll down our page, find the post, uh, read the post, and you can enter. There's also one in uh, Chicken Whisperer Magazine, the spring 2015 issue. Uh, another great coop contest. Uh, and you can go to chickenwhisperermagazine.com to enter that contest. That is an awesome chicken tractor provided by Wood Text Products. And then uh, the contest on the Facebook page is brought to you by Egg Stream Coops, E-G-G, Egg Stream Coops. So uh, go check them out, enter. Uh, people do win these. I've been giving away more coops than anybody on the planet. been doing it for seven years, and people actually win. And let me tell you, I think every single person who's ever won a coop has either said live on the show when we when when they're the right caller, or we call them and tell them they won. Uh, every single one of them, I think, have said, "Oh my gosh, I never won anything. I haven't won anything in 20 years. I thought I'd never win this coop." So, just like yourself, oh, I'm not going to enter. I never win anything. Yeah, tell that to the however many coop people we've given away coops to. because uh, they said the exact same thing. People actually win. Random drawing. There you go. There's the winner, and I call them up. And then you know what I do? I delete all their information. And I don't keep it. I don't sell it. You're not going to get trash emails or nothing like that. And I hit the delete button, and then we'll start another contest. So it's that simple. Hey, let's get on with the show. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, coming on today. Let's give him a big chicken whisperer. Welcome. Oh, on this 1,000th episode of Backyard Poetry with the Chicken Whisperer. Peter, thanks for joining us today, as always. Hey, Andy, my pleasure. Glad to be here. Yep. Yeah, thanks. Um, great topic today. We've covered Merrick's in the past, but today we want to learn a little bit more about the vaccine. Cause people say, oh, it is a live vaccine. It is not live vaccine. Uh, uh, if I give it to my chickens, they're going to be shedding it everywhere, and then and my other ch- or they're not going to be shedding it. All this information, uh, so we're not going to cover Merrick's per se. If you want to learn about that, scroll down over on Blog Talk Radio. You'll find it last couple of weeks from Peter Brown. We talked about it extensively. But we're more concentrated on the vaccine today, and then we'll get to identifying chick behaviors uh, even as early as in the brooder. So I'm um, glad you are here. P- folks, get your pen and paper out because I guarantee you there will be something during this hour show that you'll want to jot down uh, and keep or refer to a little bit later, even though you can go back and listen to the archive anytime you want. Uh, grab that pen and paper and uh, take some notes. So, uh, Peter, we're really ready to absorb all the knowledge you're going to bring to us today. Sure. Um I've been fielding a lot of questions, especially this time of the year, about vaccines and different types of vaccines. What should I do? What what I shouldn't do? Am I doing it right, doing it wrong? So I thought that uh, um, even though we've reviewed Merrick's per se, we would talk just a little bit about the vaccine, and I want to talk about uh, vaccine handling, vaccine failure, why things don't work, 
and, mm-hmm. and along those lines, you know, people will say, well, I did this, I did that. Um, so uh, I'll start with the, uh, the with the Marix vaccine itself. <clears throat> the vaccine that we have uh, available to us uh, is a freeze-dried uh, uh, turkey herpes virus, okay, um, that it is a, a product that um, allows a bird to um, not show the symptoms of, of Marix, but it doesn't prevent the bird <clears throat> from becoming infected uh, with the actual Marix virus. It just will not um, uh, show the symptoms. So people equate all of these different things in, in, in different ways. So I want to try to straighten it out a little bit if I can. Maybe I'll make it worse. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But the the vaccine is not capable of giving the bird disease. I think that's the biggest thing everybody that listens to this that doesn't already know it or is sitting on the fence about this type of thing uh, needs to take away from this conversation, okay? Um, and uh, as I've said on this show before, um, a couple of years ago, um, I was sitting around in the office one day thinking about this, and people were saying, well, you know, I didn't have Merrick's until I used the vaccine, blah, 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 blah. And, I got thinking, you know, maybe maybe uh, something passed me by and I uh, didn't pay attention or didn't see it or didn't read something thoroughly enough. And so I sought out some of my uh, my resources that I use uh, to uh, uh, bounce information off of them, get current information and so on. And um, people might not realize it, but the Merrick's complex virus um, is one of the most studied in the world, especially here in the United States the, <clears throat> since the 50s. Uh, I believe it is, uh, right around in that area. Uh, we've had a Department of Agriculture laboratory in this country just dedicated to that one virus. That's how important it is. And I think that part of the reason for that is that <clears throat> this is a tumor-forming virus, uh, in many cases uh, similar properties to, to, uh, to cancer and, and humans, uh, although this uh, is not a mammalian virus, uh, uh, won't make the transition from uh, from chickens to to humans, at least not at this point. So I think the mm-hmm. the object is to study it uh, inside and out, know everything they can about it. They learn these folks do all the time, as do I. Uh, these people uh, uh, are super smart people that have studied this stuff all their lives. Um, uh, um, every time I talk to one of them, it's it's just an unbelievable conversation, and and they, and they they're really gracious about it because they try to talk. Uh, in terms that uh, somebody who isn't into what they do every day, uh, you know, the actual cells themselves and the inner, inner workings of everything, explain it to you in a, in a fashion that you can uh, come away from it saying, oh, I understand what they're talking about. And uh, so anyway, I got a hold of a fellow out there, Dr. Ali Fadley, and this is at the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture Avian Oncology Laboratory, East Lansing, Michigan. And, um, you know, I, I posed the question to him about, you know, did I miss something? Did something change somewhere along the line? Uh, you know, uh, is this virus, you know, capable of causing a disease in, in the birds? And, you know, he emphatically came back and said no and then went on to explain what I already knew, but just verifying and having a person of that stature verify something that's been, you know, ongoing for years, um, you know, just kind of like the icing on the cake, maybe not for the individual out there who doesn't do what I do every day, but for me it just validates where I was. And, and you know, uh-huh. when you say something, you want to be able to say it and and have very solid footing under what you're saying. Um, so I can, it, Go ahead. 
I completely agree. It's like when we had poultry nutritionist um, Dr. Nancy Jefferson on, and um, I heard many things that, that she shared in, in that uh, almost hour and a half of information that she shared with our listeners that the exact same things come out of my mouth, which which I've gotten from other true poultry professionals like Dr. McRae and yourself and others that I just, again, share when I'm doing my workshops. And uh, But I know what you mean when you hear that and, and you're like... It gives you that assurance that hey, I'm I am sharing the right information, the science-based, fact-based, you know, study-based information out there for folks uh, when I'm doing this and, and getting the right information out there versus a, a, a blog or a forum that's we all know about those. So um, I completely understand that feeling. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know it's 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 important um, you know to, to have that 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 degree of credibility. Um, so that, that's why I sought out, you know, uh, another opinion uh, to make sure, um, you know, that I was on that uh, particular f- uh, footing. So that being said, um, I wanted to move on just a little bit to the vaccine itself. The HVT, as it's called, um, uh, the one we use is called, a, you'll see it in the, in the literature, you'll see it in, in the directions that come with it, it'll say CF. And um, so I want to explain that to people a little bit because uh, most folks don't know what it means. But what it means is self-free, okay? And that means that the virus itself is not encapsulated in that vaccine inside of a cell, okay? Mm-hmm. And you might say, well, you know, what's the big deal? Uh, the big deal is that um, any maternal antibodies uh, that may be floating around uh, in, a, in a bird system when this is, uh, vaccine is given uh, can easily negate that vaccine. It doesn't, uh, the virus doesn't have that much protection uh, and may be one of the causes why we see uh, what might be deemed as a vaccine failure. And I'll go into rhyme and reason a lot of that on other stuff, but um, true vaccine failure, um, and by this I mean a vaccine that was manufactured by a manufacturer and, uh, you know, uh, doesn't meet the, the standards for which it was uh, um, produced uh, virtually doesn't happen today. I mean, it hasn't happened, and I can't I can't tell you how many years. Uh, and certainly, I don't know about everyone, but usually, you'll, you know, you'll hear about it. And that's because of the the, um, the tight control that the companies themselves have on it. Uh, don't forget, they don't want to be sued any more than anybody else. If, if you know, by by these poultry companies, uh, if they buy a lot of vaccine from a particular company and find out the you know the product was not up to snuff. Um, you know, they're going to make somebody pay. And mm-hmm. uh, not only that, they, they, it goes through in-house testing for, for purity and potency, and then it has to go on to uh, to the Department of Agriculture for further testing, uh, generally before it can be released. And um, so, you know, there there is some double-checking going on. And, you know, so it doesn't mean it can't happen, but the chances of it happening are, happening are pretty pretty low. So that that only leaves some, some other things then to... to uh, uh, to factor into, you know, why vaccines uh, don't perform the way they're supposed to. Um, but before I get on to that, um, so we use the cell-free uh, because it's uh, lyophilized. That means freeze-dried uh, in a little in a little bottle. The HVT in a cell-associated is available, but it's only available as what we call a wet vaccine, which is frozen in liquid nitrogen. It is more efficacious than the uh, cell-free because it is encapsulated in a, in a cell, uh, and 
it does have some uh, protection against maternal antibodies uh, and those kinds of things, um, uh, you know, that that go on once something is injected into into a a, a bird. So <clears throat> there are two different uh, vaccines just in in that respect. There are others that they use uh, in conjunction with these vaccines. They no longer use HVT. Um, uh, cell associated by itself. It's in combination with uh, other types of, of Merrick's uh, viruses um, um, that uh, they need to overcome the, uh, the field viruses that they run into, which generally most people with small backyard flocks and uh, fancy bird flocks generally do not run into the real virulent stuff. So we're, we're, that's why we're using what we use. Uh, that's one of the reasons why you know there may be some vaccine failures from that standpoint. But it's not necessarily a fa- failure of the vaccine itself. Um, those that have had problems uh, after they used the, the Marix vaccine and and then had uh, some birds supposedly come down with Marix. Um, all I can say is that the you know and, and according to Dr. Fadley, there had to be exposure prior to or before the vaccine took hold. That's the only answer that is, uh, uh, makes any sense, and it's the only answer that, uh, that he gave me as well. And they have no dog in the fight. They don't uh, uh, work for the vaccine companies. They work for the federal government. Um, so, you know, they have no reason to, uh, uh, you know, to say anything different than, than what they told me, and uh, I wouldn't expect them to. Um, but so that that's one of the reasons I want to clear that up uh, as best I could, and so that um, you know this virus, this cell uh, cell free HVT virus, uh, then will be shed by the bird. It is shed at all different kinds of of rates and is not considered uh, a methodology for um, putting birds that are vaccinated in with unvaccinated birds and. Um, letting the uh, vaccinated ones vaccinate the unvaccinated ones. It doesn't work that way. Um, The virus can be shed at very high rates at times, down to almost nothing, um, and you'll never know it. You won't know uh, unless you're able to run some very specific tests uh, that they're able to do uh, on the feather-tip dander and the dander to spread around by the birds and, and just see how much is being spread around. So that's not a method for doing it. Um, if the bird comes in contact with a uh, more virulent virus that doesn't override the uh, the HVT, it will more than likely shed that new virus as well. Um, therein lies the little thing where people say, well, if it doesn't protect against everything, there's no point in doing it, and blah, 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 and on and on and on. And that's just poppycock nonsense and craziness. Um, you are so much better off to be vaccinated for for uh, for some things. I'm not always recommending people vac- run out and vaccinate for everything tomorrow. Um, I'm a believer in uh, having a rhyme and reason for doing so, just not because Joe Blow said so. And uh, so I usually will ask people uh, who are interested in vaccinating, you know, why are you interested in vaccinating? What is the purpose? Uh, I just went through it with a, a lady this morning has a very, very small flock, appears to be closed. And I said, you know, I don't think I would vaccinate them if I remind you. You have to assess what your risk is. And um, she's hearing the same thing. And, uh, you know, that somebody said that, you know, you need to inject them uh, when, they're, when they're babies. And, 
you know, when I get into it and everything else, we're really we're talking about the Merrick's vaccine. And I didn't really see any rhyme and reason for a person to go through this for just a small handful of birds that really aren't leaving the premises um, and uh, really aren't bringing any birds back in. So you have to assess your, your, your risk. Um, uh, you know, you wouldn't have a million-dollar insurance policy um, if you didn't have um, something that you thought was going to happen that might incur that kind of liability. You, know, you would have something more reasonable uh, and more affordable. Uh, same thing goes here. We don't need to run around the countryside and vaccinate for everything when we never move the chickens out of the house. That's uh, kind of crazy. But uh, by the same token, if we're uh, in an area where certain diseases are a problem, uh, we might want to look at that. We want to look at you know, what kind of exposure we might have from those pathogens that are around us um, and uh, assess that and then base our our decision on that and talk with a professional, myself or somebody else, uh, and get some opinions as to what should be done, what shouldn't be done. For instance, if you live uh, in a more desert-type climate, okay, uh, let's say in maybe some places in Arizona and New Mexico where it's it's uh, uh, dry and hot, I think the chances of you having chicken pox in those places would be next to nothing compared to somebody who lives in, let's say, uh, Florida, uh, Louisiana, Alabama down on the coast, um, uh, Texas down on the coast, uh, you know, in wet areas, areas where there's going to be, you know, especially, you know, like where I live here, uh, you know, where the mosquitoes pull the trees up by the roots. And uh, so it, you have to assess your risk, and and, and, uh, and, uh, and certainly there are those people that want to vaccinate for everything because they're terrified that something might happen, and I understand that too, and I, I don't stand in the way uh Mm-hmm. of anybody vaccinating for anything. I mean, if, if if that's what your feeling is, then by all means do it. But uh, I always try to be reasonable with people. It's not about how much product you can sell. Uh, it's about how many friendships you can make, how many good uh, people that can come back to you for what they need, uh, just like you were talking before on the intro about, um, you know, it's not necessarily about the price. It's what kind of information can you get from, from a, a good, reliable source, and you might pay a buck two more for it. Uh, but the advice uh, can't be beat. And, um, you know, I think that that's what this show and, and some of the other folks that come on this show uh, and, and talk on a regular basis uh, uh, have to offer. And, uh, you know, the, the Chicken Whisperer magazine, same thing. You know, uh, all top flight stuff, uh, not to be found really anywhere. There's no magazine around that can compare with it. You know, not, not from, from my perspective. But so anyway, uh, this uh, cell-free, cell-associated thing uh, technically is a big deal um, in understanding, you know, why something may may go wrong. Uh, so you, maybe you did vaccinate your birds, but if they were exposed early enough um, and uh, the vaccine didn't take hold yet, then the, there may be a problem there. And I want to say this too about vaccination in general now the the uh, i get people say well you know i keep them in the garage and i don't know do but you go out to your regular chicken coop where you've had a problem in the past all those birds are vaccinated everybody's healthy but they're still shedding virus and then you go and you handle babies and that really isn't sufficient enough uh, the the danders everywhere every time you go in your your chicken coop uh uh, the birds flap their wings. Uh, uh, it almost looks like there's a fine snow in the air sometimes. 
and uh, that gets in your nose and on your eyebrows and your hands and your clothes, your boots. Uh, and then, uh, okay, so you do step in the uh, disinfectant pan, which is a good deal. I, I, I applaud that by the same token. Uh, you pick up a baby chick and you put it up to your face and you've got it in your pocket on your shirt and and you're passing that virus around uh, you know like the plague. So you have to take all those things uh, into uh, account as to why things don't always work out. We'll go into vaccination handling uh, or vaccine handling and stuff uh, here uh, in a minute as well. Uh, but I want to get this stuff out there first because it's 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 more important uh, you know that. Uh, uh, that these things happen. Now, something else I want to throw out, too, uh, is that it is perfectly possible with a bird that does have Marex uh, to think that that bird has coccidiosis. And I just went through this uh, yesterday um, where uh, a person thought that the birds did have coccidiosis when, indeed, uh, it ended up turning out to uh, be a case of Marex. Okay? And <clears throat> part of the reason for that is uh, the Marex virus is a immune suppression virus, meaning that it suppresses the immune system uh, to the point where uh, a bird that normally wouldn't maybe have Marex will now pick it up, okay, because its system can't uh, fight it off because the immune system is busy fighting uh, the Marex virus. And um, basically, the way the Marex virus itself um, invades white blood cells and then it transports itself around inside the bird through the through the blood uh, uh, system okay and that's how it starts to uh, uh, to grow and infect uh, uh, the B cells uh, which are part of the immune system the B and T cells are your two two main things for your uh, cells to uh, defend the bird and the, and the immune system but the the Marex virus is starting to take them on and, and kill them off, and it starts to uh, then spread from the, uh, uh, from usually it's taken in through the uh, respiratory system and uh, will end up in the uh, spleen, uh, the bursa fibricious if the bird is young enough, uh, which is where the B and T cells are, um, are generated, and that's in a small gland attached to the very tail end of the in, uh, intestine of the bird. Uh, that's called the bursa fibricious, the bursa for short, uh, and also to the thymus, which is located up on the neck of the bird. So you can see that the, a lot of organs, the, the, the spleen and the, and the thymus and the bursa, uh, all of these organs are designed to be part of this uh, immune response, part of that immune system, and they're all under attack. And here it comes coccidiosis. going to take a back seat. It's just not going to be enough folks to be on the battlefield to go around and take care of it sufficiently. So you treat for coccidiosis and the bird doesn't really get any better. And I'm not saying in the same breath that you thought a bird had coccidiosis, you treated it, and it automatically has Marex. I'm not saying that. But um, what I am saying is it is possible to have uh, coccidiosis and other things as well, an E. coli infection, not, not a, uh, uncommon either. So just be aware of those things. Um, it can take uh, anywhere from five to seven days for uh, Marex infection to start to uh, make its way through the bird's system, uh, and uh, the uh, antibody response uh, will, will, will uh, be sufficient to uh, cause an uh, immune suppression uh, in this bird's system. So you have to take all that into consideration. Um, but it's going to spread throughout throughout the bird, through the bloodstream, 
through the, the, uh, the white blood cells and uh, really start attacking every um, organ uh, in that bird's system. Uh, I looked at yesterday some lab reports that were sent to me, um, and there was virtually no organ in the bird's body that didn't have um, these uh, Merrick's virus uh, uh, cells uh, present, and that included the brain, the heart, the liver, the spleen. Uh, it was everywhere. The intestine, uh, as everywhere they looked, uh, they, they saw it. And this was done with uh, histopathology, where they take a piece of the, uh, uh, the tissue and uh, put it in wax and uh, cut it on a microtome and uh, put it under microscope and, and, and look at it. Uh, after it's been prepared, obviously. So I think it's important to, you know, understand how this all works, and I don't think we went into quite this detail uh, the, the last time, but I think it's important, you know, that we do it uh, uh, now and get it out there and so that this is, this is what happens. So uh, um, the, the next, uh, Andy, I'm going to move on to another subject, which is the uh, vaccine uh, handling and so on. Uh, do you want to take a quick break or you yeah. want to wait? All right, yeah, let's take a that? break. Okay. We'll take a break. That sounds perfect. No problems, folks. We're talking today with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Special Thursday show. He normally joins us every single Monday, uh, but I was traveling, so we uh, and then actually I, uh, we scheduled it for Tuesday, and I had a last-minute funeral to attend oh. with a friend, uh, a friend's father, and a church member that had passed away. And uh, so here we are today, and we're talking about a couple of interesting topics. Uh, the, we've been talking about the Merrick's vaccine. When we come back, we'll finish up with that and also talk about uh, chick behavior uh, and identifying chick behavior uh, in the brooder. So uh, stay with us, folks. Uh, take a little bathroom break uh, and uh, get that pen and paper ready for some more Ask the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown when we return. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brency.com. Brency spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brency.com or call... 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brency. Technology you can trust. Introducing the BrightTap Chick Feeder, the cleaner feeder that grows with your flock. The BrightTap feeder is designed with a unique shield that prevents chicks from standing on the feed tray and pooping into their food. The shield keeps the feed clean, so you spend less time cleaning the feeder. And when your chicks grow up and leave the brooder, you can use the BrightTap feeder outdoors to give your adult chickens scratch, grit, and oyster shells. The unique shield also prevents rain from getting into the feed tray and spoiling the food. The Bright Tap feeder fills easily through a lid in the top. No more spills or wasted feed. To learn more, visit our website, chickenwaterer.com. That's chickenwaterer.com. 
Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com and try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. 
Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. How would you like a punch in the beak? And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We're talking today with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Today we've been talking about the Merrick's vaccine, and a little bit later we'll get into a little bit about chick behavior if we have time. So right back over at you, Peter. Yeah, if we don't have time for that, we'll start with that next time. And, That's fine. That's you know, either, either no way. I wanted to say uh, the the time frame roughly for uh, infection with the Merrick's virus. Um, so in other words, you've had birds that are, let's say, not vaccinated and they uh, encounter a field strain of the virus. Uh, it takes about five weeks roughly, give or take. It just depends on yeah. how aggressive the particular uh, uh, offending virus is. Uh, then we, you would start to possibly see some of the paralysis set in. So that, that gives people a time frame uh, where we would see the leg dragging, wing drooping, sitting on the breast, one leg forward, one leg back on the side of the breast, both legs out or side of the breast, one leg forward, one leg back, any combination of things. Sometimes a tip-off is a uh, bird will stand there on, and, and it will pick its leg up and it will just uh, ball the foot up in a ball. And lots of people then will figure that's a... Uh, a riboflavin deficiency when in fact it's it's not, and um, mm-hmm. you know it's just just one of those things. So um, the visceral tumors inside the bird's body generally will start forming within a week or two after that, and then they go downhill from there pretty quick. And uh, um, at that point, it, it really you know really doesn't matter one way or another. The bird is going to succumb to the disease, and I think you know once you get to that point, yeah, you'll. Uh, uh, you'll find that it's uh, probably worth the effort to take birds like that and euthanize them and uh, dispose of the carcass, uh, either burn it or bury it, and clean up wherever the bird was, disinfect as best you can, uh, and if you or take the bird to a laboratory, get a, a definitive diagnosis, uh, and then go about you know vaccinating or whatever from there. So, um, but I wanted to talk about vaccination handling, uh, vaccination techniques, how different vaccines are, are administered. 
I think this is a really good subject for this time of the year, so we'll try to make the best of that for the next uh, few minutes here. <clears throat> vaccines, generally speaking, uh, all of your live vaccines must be refrigerated. It's, it's imperative that 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 uh, uh, vac, uh, refrigeration uh, uh, take place with these products. Uh, they uh, will not do very well for long periods of time uh, being left out, especially in the sunlight uh, and that kind of thing. So you want to make sure any vaccine that you get shipped to you is shipped properly. Um, we go way out of our way here uh, to uh, to do so. We use a very large um, uh, shipping container, uh, cooler, uh, with loads of ice packs in it. Um, we uh, When we top off the top of it, if there's still room, sometimes there isn't. Sometimes the ice packs will go right to the very top of the cooler and you can barely get the lid on. But if there's room, we put a layer of uh, small bubble wrap over top of it to uh, act as an insulating barrier, um, and tape up all the seams and, and so on. And, and anybody that's gotten any vaccine from us will know that we, we you can't do it any better than that. Um, shipping it in a real small container with uh, one ice pack and having to take two or three days or so or more to get to you is, is not sufficient. Um, one of the things, especially about Merrick's vaccine, probably more so than the others, uh, we're talking about live vaccines now, uh, you never mix a vaccine before you're going to be ready to use it. Um, and by that I mean uh, some of them have, uh, well, all of them have a time frame. Most, most live vaccines have a two-hour time frame. Um, Merrick's is unique in the fact that it only has a one-hour time frame. So you don't want to mix your Merrick's vaccine up and decide you've got to walk the dog or you've got to answer the telephone, talk to the kids, uh, uh, chase a chicken around the yard or whatever. You want to be prepared uh, so that you can get the maximum usage out of your vaccine uh, because the longer it is uh, uh, stays in a mixed state, the, the quicker the vaccine virus dies off. And this is for, for a good reason. Uh, what happens is that um, the cells are in, and once you reconstitute it to a liquid, the cells start dividing very quickly when there is no host tissue, which is the tissue of the chicken, to set up shop in, and then they just die. Uh, and as that process speeds up, it gets quicker and quicker and quicker, and uh, they're very, very fragile, and they just die very quickly. So with Merrick's, we like to stay within one hour. Pox, uh, LT, uh, those kinds of vaccines, Newcastle bronchitis, all these being live vaccines, uh, we, we like to stick to that two-hour time limit on, on those as, as well. In uh, warm weather, uh, you may want to take the vaccine bottle and put it in some chipped ice in a cup and uh, keep it as cold as you can uh, that way, uh, and that can help uh, uh you know, with the uh, with the virus being you know being killed off, um, the live vaccines uh, uh, just above freezing is the temperature that they should be kept at when you get them. Uh, that's usually between 35 and 45 degrees. Uh, your um, your killed vaccines can stand a little bit more because, uh, and I'll go into that in a little bit. They're they are that they're killed vaccines. They're not going anywhere. Um, Always follow the vaccine manufacturer's directions or in the case of some of the vaccines that we provide uh, additional directions like for the Coxivac, for, for the uh, split pack uh, Merrick's vaccine, read and, and, and understand all directions, the manufacturers and directions that we may provide. Uh, and if you have any questions about either set of directions, uh, just give us a call or email or, or whatever and we'll, we'll uh, straighten out those uh, uh, as quickly as possible. 
Um, don't freeze the vaccines, um, especially the inactivated vaccines, because it can split the uh, emulsion. Um, and the uh, freezing your, your live vaccines can cause uh, cell death in those as well, so you don't want to do that. Um, and again, read and follow all of the manufacturers' directions for, for mixing the vaccine uh, and any vaccine directions that, that we may put in. For the coccidiosis vaccine, we put uh, special directions in how to split it up so you can, because it is so expensive, um, you can get four uses out of the same bottle rather than mixing it all at one time. Uh, same thing goes for, for the Merrick's. And, and I don't necessarily condone uh, all of that, but that's what people want. So we developed those uh, vaccine directions uh, as additional ones in-house. I don't know of uh, very many people doing water uh, vaccinations, rather, um, but uh, you're generally these would be uh, Newcastle bronchitis. Um, I don't recommend these vaccines for small flock holders uh, um, unless you're into uh, uh, an area where you really, really have to have it. Uh, it's the least expensive method to vaccinate. You mix it up. And an appropriate amount of water, uh, and you uh, just let the birds drink it, and uh, it's a done deal. Um, but the way you mix that can also uh, give you uh, longevity as far as the live virus uh, in, the, uh, in the mixture that you're going to mix up in that water. You always want to mix some powdered milk with that uh, vaccine. So you're going to take your, let's say you're going to put out uh, a five-gallon bucket of this stuff, and so you take five gallons of water, and you take a sufficient amount of uh, uh, powdered milk and dump it in there and keep mixing it until it looks like skim milk. doesn't have to be like regular milk, but like skim milk. And the reason you do this is it acts as a buffer between anything that might be in the water uh, and the vaccine, okay? And uh, less chance of killing off some of the vaccine by anything that might be in, in that water. Um, you're not going to want to use any disinfectants at the same time that you're uh, mixing the vaccine. That should be pretty obvious to you and the reason why. Um, with water vaccinations, you're going to want to water starve the birds a little bit so that they all get a, an even drink. And uh, so the way uh, I propose that people do it uh, is to uh, get up early in the morning, pull all the water away, or maybe even do it the night before when they go to roost, pull all the water away from them, uh, come out at a reasonable hour in the morning, um, get your vaccine mixed up, and uh uh, get in there and get it down as fast as you can. And uh, I would I would leave it down for an hour or so and make sure everybody got a good drink of it, and then I'd pull it back out of there and give them fresh water, okay? Um, and obviously don't use chlorinated water. If you're on city water, you might have chlorinated water. Um, you might want to um, uh, boil that water and try to boil off the, uh, the chlorine in it and then use it or get some bottled water because uh, you're really not going to, in most cases, are not going to need that much. And uh, you're certainly going to want to make sure that you uh, uh, use the powdered milk uh, as, as a buffer no matter what you do, okay? Uh, the next one would be uh, pox vaccine. Uh, different vaccine uh, administered differently uh, than, than all the others. Uh, it's a wing web stab. Um, so we'll go over a couple of things here that you uh, want to do. Uh, you want to avoid hitting any bones with the stabber. Uh, this is a small plastic handled, very sharp, uh, two metal prongs coming out of the bottom of this uh, little stabber deal. And if you look at the uh, the prongs of the of the needles that come out of there, that, of that stabber, they have an indentation on one side of each needle, and that's where the vaccine uh, 
uh, will be picked up in those. So um, you're going to want to avoid hitting any muscle uh, and any tissue. So where are you going to do this? This is going to be done in what's called the, the wing web. Um, so if you look at the joint of the wing that's attached to the bird and you come out to the very next joint on the trailing edge, and that means the back side of that, but from the underside where there's some downy feathers, uh, the hard feathers be on top, uh, you're going to uh, want to vaccinate there. And um, uh, before you even mix your vaccine, if you've never done this before, you should go and pick up a couple of birds and look at the point part that I'm describing. It's actually when you open it, you'll see it's a triangular piece because the the, the uh, flap of skin goes up to the bone and comes back out and to that trailing edge of the wing. It's a great place to do this particular uh, vaccine uh, vaccination, uh, and it's relatively simple to do. Um, so it's um, you're going to pull some feathers from the underside of that and those downy feathers out, um, and you're going to do, for me, I propose the size of a nickel. Uh, some people want to do less, but the... Uh, Vaccinated feathers don't equal vaccinated birds, so if your aim is not good. So you're going to take this stabber, and you're going to dip it into the vaccine bottle after you've mixed the vaccine. It's a two-part vaccine, a little bottle of diluent and a little bottle of dried-up wafer. You're going to mix the two together, and um, you'll end up with everything in one bottle. And you'll take the stabber, dip it into the vaccine, drag the two prongs across the lip of the bottle to pull off any excess vaccine, and then you're going to push it quickly uh, right up through that spot where you pull those little feathers out, and you're going to pull it right back out, and the bird will hardly flinch. Do not take that stabber and think you're doing the bird a big favor by gently trying to push it through without hurting them. They will squawk like crazy and flap their wings all over you and beat you to death. And um, so you're better off to just quick stab through, pull it out, you're done, put the bird down, go on to the next one, pull some feathers, dip the vaccine, drag the needles across the lip of the bottle, jab it right up straight through there, and you'll be done in no time. You want to make sure that you don't stab yourself. These things are pretty sharp. The vaccine's not going to bother you so much as any infection you might get from it. And uh, so you want to be careful with that. And anybody that's used it or is going to use it, you'll see once you open the uh, package and you see the, the, the stabbers uh, and you touch the end of them, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I actually think they're sharper than a regular needle used for injection, but... Uh, these don't bend so easily either. So when you stab yourself, you're going to get stabbed with it. So you've, you've been warned <laughs> not to stab yourself because you, they, they do hurt. And, uh, so, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then the other thing you're going to do after you vaccinate, and this is important, uh, you may not want to do it on every bird. I would suggest every bird. Uh, but go around and from that same place where you deposited the vaccine from the underside of the wing web, you're going to look for what's called a take, usually about 10 days afterward and you'll see a scabbing over of the two little tiny holes that you made there. And that would, uh, that would indicate the take, and that means the vaccine is, is, is going uh, and producing antibodies uh, against the disease, and that the bird, in short order, uh, will be protected against the, uh, the pox virus. And um, the pox is basically the only vaccine we do that way. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. Uh, it's a nasty virus in its own right, um, and uh, I would not suggest doing it any other way, not in the eye, not down the throat, nothing. This is just a nasty one, and it's a, it's a good place to do it. It comes in two different types of vaccines. One is a tissue culture, uh, which is uh, used on, on day-old chicks on up. Um, if you're in an area where pox is a real problem, 
you can do your baby chicks at one day of age if, if you want to. Uh, I would suggest you wait uh, uh, maybe till they're 10 days of age or so to get that immune system up and running, get them eating, drinking, feeling fairly comfortable before you go stabbing them. But um, if you have to, you can do it then. And uh, at any age, uh, technically with that particular vaccine, um, and then you're going to want to come back in a couple of months and do it with the older one, which is a, a chick embryo, much stronger uh, and uh, not advisable to use it on, on day-old chicks or young chicks. Uh, normally the chick embryo wouldn't be given before five weeks of age, okay? But if you do the young one first, you've got to wait a couple of months, and again, you're waiting for some of those antibodies to settle down so that the next one vaccine will take and get a boost off of that, and you should be good to go, Okay. And either way, you're going to look for takes after you do these uh, the vaccinations for, for uh, foulpox. Okay. Uh, the, the next one that I would uh, uh, talk about here is um, eye drop vaccination. And this basically, uh, you could do Newcastle bronchitis this way. Uh, generally, um, uh, in, in the uh, depending on on the on the company, depending on the birds that it's going into. Uh, depending on how, how bad the disease uh, is in the field uh, where a flock is, whether it be commercial or otherwise, would depend on whether they were going to do it in the water, they were going to spray it, or they were going to put it in the eye. Okay? For most uh, small flock holders, um, the, uh, the eye drop method uh, is, is, uh, is sufficient. Uh, it's a, uh, a very good way. It gives probably the most reaction other than spray. And um, I do not recommend people spray, okay, uh, because if you don't get it even, you, you'll have problems. Um, but uh, the other vaccine that we would give this way would be LT, laryngotracheitis, or ILT vaccine. And uh, there I recommend only the tissue culture. And uh, this is a two-part vaccine as well, uh, the uh, 30 ml bottle of diluent. You would take a little bit of that, put it into the vaccine vial with a little wafer in it, put the stopper back on it, shake it up dump it all back into the uh, 30 ml bottle of diluent, and then a little bit more diluent back into that small bottle, wash it out two or three times. Everything goes in the big bottle of diluent, the 30 ml bottle, and then there's a little plastic uh, eyedropper piece that goes in the top of that 30 ml bottle, and you'll, you'll push that in place and hear it lock in place, and then it's one drop uh, in the eye for the LT. Uh, I recommend if you're uh, showing birds and what have you, uh, and, and in general, I recommend doing it in the nostril, okay, rather than the eye. If there's any bacteria uh, in, in, that, in that eye, it might react with the, with the vaccine virus, and then you have a bird that's got a weepy eye and eye problems that may or may not go away. So do yourself a favor. Do it in the nostrils. pretty simple. Um, the bird's mouth closed uh, and one finger over, over one nostril. Put a drop over the, uh, the other nostril take your finger away, the bird will suck it in, <clears throat> and you're done. It's that simple. And, um, again, two hours uh, is the uh, uh, amount of time that you've got to do that before you, uh, you, know, before you start using uh, you know, another bottle for, for vaccination. You'll come around with these birds, too, and look for takes, and uh, you'll look in the roof of the mouth. The diluent is, is a blue, has a blue dye in it. So you'll open the bird's mouth, look in that nasal cleft in the top of the mouth, it should turn blue. Okay, and you would do this within an hour or so after vaccination. Okay, so you should be able to see that uh, that there. Um, so you want to make sure that you get the vaccine uh, in the nostril, um, 
and uh, you know, don't rush on any of these vaccinations, whether it be Marix, Pox, uh, LT, uh, Newcastle bronchitis, whether you're doing it in the water, because there's no point in rushing and doing a halfway job. Uh, it negates the whole purpose of doing it in the first place. So if you don't have the time, put it off to a, to a time uh, in a place when you do have that time to go through and, and do it right. Okay. Um, make sure you look for your takes, both for pox and, and the LT. It's very important. Uh, but it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward, and you're dealing with you know live vaccines, uh, the Newcastle bronchitis, uh, the LT, the, the pox, uh, the Merix, all all live and should be handled as such, uh, with care uh, and a little bit of respect to to, to all of them. Otherwise, uh, there's, there's just no point in doing it. The other mm-hmm. vaccines that are available uh, that uh, I recommend for, for people from time to time uh, would be your inactivated or what we call a killed vaccine. Uh, I'm often asked, what's the difference between the two? Pretty simple, pretty straightforward, just what it says. It's not live. There's nothing live in that bottle, whereas your Merix, your LT, your Pox, your Newcastle, your Newcastle bronchitis, all of those are live. They're growing in those bottles, even though you can't see it, um, they're in a suspended animation form. They're 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 dividing so slow uh, that that's what allows them to be you know, put in the bottle and have an expiration date of whatever uh, on them because they they um, they're, they are growing at that that very very slow slow rate. Uh, so the killed vaccine can't do that. So then how does it work? Well, the killed vaccine works by more or less aggravating tissue at the injection site to stimulate the immune system to respond quicker, okay? And in the process of doing that, um, you may get some swelling at the injection site that may or may not go away. Uh, It forms under the skin uh, or in the breast tissue, however way you choose to do it, uh, a granuloma. And the immune system will send out cells called eosinophils, which will wall that off and uh, allow that antigen, which is the either the MG uh, or the um, coryza antigen, the disease part of it, to leach out over a period of time and continue to build antibodies. And that's how those uh, vaccines basically uh, work. Uh, they are generally... Uh, oil and water vaccines. They say, well, yeah, oil and water don't mix. Well, they use uh, special surfactants and uh, uh, other things in them, surgical soap and stuff, to cause irritation um, at the injection site because because they're killed. Let me go back here a step. When you inject uh, the, the Marix vaccine, the Pox vaccine, or your eye drop, the LT, or whatever you do, uh, those get into the bird cells, set up shop, start duplicating replicas of themselves, of that particular virus, whichever one it is. The killed vaccines, when you inject them into the bird, they can't do that. They just sit there. Okay, They don't get in the bloodstream as a general rule. They don't do this. They don't do anything. They just sit there and wait for the immune system to respond. So just injecting it in without... Uh, the oil emulsion or the adjuvant is what it's really called, okay, without having that there to stimulate the immune system. It may take a long time for the immune system to say, okay, somebody dropped something over on the front 40. Let me go over there and see what's going on and everything else. So it takes a long time for that to happen, whereas with the, uh, uh, the adjuvant, that irritation is going to be 
right around seven days, you're going to seven to ten days, you're going to see a, a reaction in the bird. Generally, a reaction to a killed vaccine will be lethargy in the bird. They kind of go off their feet a little bit. They stand around. It may even look like they have coccidiosis, but they don't. Okay, it's a general natural reaction to that live vaccine that must take place in order to have the vaccine be effective. Okay, so with the <coughs> vaccines, you have to remember they're not live. Uh, they're always injected, your killed vaccines. Okay, they don't go in the water, they don't go in the eyes, they don't go down the throat. Okay. Um, one other thing, uh, again, I can't strive enough here and tell you, read the directions. Read the bottle. Don't understand it? Call me. We'll straighten it out. But it's very important that you read the directions. Okay. Um, the other thing that's important is that because these are killed vaccines, we can ship them unrefrigerated most of the time. Uh, and then when you get it, you pop it in the refrigerator. You want to use it. Let's say you you get the vaccine today and you want to use it tomorrow. Well, at dinner time, you take it out of the refrigerator and you put it on the counter. Shake it up real good. Later in the evening, uh, shake it up again. When you go to bed, shake it up again. When you get up in the morning, shake it up again. Whenever you're ready to vaccinate, shake it up again. And then go out and vaccinate. And the way you would vaccinate with these is use what we call an aseptic technique. And you're going to take a clean needle that's never been in a bird, never used. You're going to disinfect the top of the bottle. I recommend taking the bottle and um, wiping it off with a uh, clean uh, rag or paper towel with some alcohol in it. And then taking a glass or whatever you can uh, have, a container or whatever, and fill it with alcohol and stand the bottle up in that alcohol and putting the neck of the bottle, okay, into that alcohol, letting it stand there for a couple of minutes. Then you're going to take it off. You can wipe off all of the excess alcohol that's running around on the bottle, except for that that is in the top where you're going to put the needle. Then take your needle, take it out of the container that it's in, and stick it in the top of that bottle. Then you're going to draw all your vaccine out of that bottle all day long, whether it takes you an hour or it takes you all day. I would suggest if it's going to be all day long, uh, that you put it in some cool water, but not, not, uh, I would not put it in ice. We don't want the vaccine to be super cold. That's why we leave it out on the counter at night, because that will stimulate the immune system to over-respond, and we don't want to do that. Okay? So you're going to leave it out, you're going to shake it up, and in the morning you're going to keep shaking it, and, you're, and even while you're using it, you're going to gently shake it, maybe every hour or so. Okay? That keeps the, the uh, emulsion inside uh, completely mixed and nothing settling out and making sure that it's all evened out through through the whole uh, uh, bottle of vaccine. But it's pretty simple. It can take a little bit more abuse, okay? Uh, you've got to stop and answer the telephone. I don't recommend it, but no big deal, okay? Um, you know, the uh, the dog got loose. You've got to run down the block, okay? Put everything down, run, catch the dog, come back still good to go. You can't do that with the other vaccines, okay? Not unless you're staying within that window of opportunity, the one hour for the Merix, the, the two hour for the other live vaccines. So you want to let this thing come to room temperature. That's that's part of the deal. Um, and then you go down and you vaccinate. It's all half a cc uh, under the skin of the neck or subcutaneous uh, uh, or, or um, uh, intramuscular, rather, in the breast muscle. If you're going to do it in the breast, you want to do it in the meaty part of the breast. Uh, that's more towards the center of the keel bone and up, uh, up 
up front, away from the back tailing away part, the thin part of the of the breast. You want to stay out of there because uh, what's under the breast, if you were doing a post-mortem, the liver. And I guarantee if you put a needle in a bird and you inject that liver, uh, you've got about two seconds and the bird will be dead. That's it's very, very quick. And uh, the recommended uh, needle for this is an 18-gauge by quarter inch. That helps prevent you from going too deep. The technique is in the meaty part of the breast on a 45-degree angle. Um, vaccinate going away from the head. Uh, and the same thing if you're doing it subcutaneously, about one-third of the way down the neck, pull the, pull the skin away from the neck, making sure that the needle comes in on a 45-degree angle as best you can. Vaccinate going away from the head, making sure that you maintain that angle. One of the reasons you want to maintain that angle is you don't want it too shallow because you don't want to get what we call intradermal in between two layers of skin. That doesn't do you any good either. Okay? And... Uh, uh, there are some of the live, uh, some of the killed vaccines that uh, that might require a live uh, vaccine primer, and that would be a Newcastle bronchitis inactivated or killed vaccine. Uh, generally, will require for maximum protection uh, you to come back in and uh, uh, prior to giving the first shot, uh, give a live uh, vaccine, however way you want to give it, inter. inter uh, intraocularly in the eye, in the nostril, or in the drinking water. Any one of those three is, is an acceptable method uh, for giving a live vaccine in, in that uh, respect. Then you would come back in about <clears throat> four to six weeks, give you the first shot of your, your killed vaccine, and come back five or six weeks later, uh, depending on the manufacturer, and uh, give you a second shot. Almost all of your killed vaccines are two shots. Okay. Uh, the uh, mycoplasma vaccine, the MG vaccine, and the Coriza vaccine do not require a, uh, a live uh, vaccine prior to. There is no live Coriza, and there is no benefit to giving a, uh, a live uh, MG uh, vaccine and coming back behind with the kill. Just, there's no, uh, there's no um, benefit to doing that. Uh, with any of the vaccines, you want to stay away from breeding season and you want to stay away from prime egg laying season. So you want to time your vaccinations so that you get all these things done uh, prior to the onset of egg production and uh, prior to the, uh, the breeding season that you're going to uh, uh, have your birds put together. So it's pretty straightforward and none of it's rocket science. Uh, but it really, uh, we're in that season now where people are thinking about the vaccinations and so on and will be over the next few months, and I thought it would be a good idea to go over this because uh, I don't think we've done this part of it in a long time. So uh, this puts it out there fresh and uh, uh, allows you to uh, to go forward with it. Yeah, and it's a lot of great information. Yeah, go ahead. So say it's a lot of great information that people aren't going to get just in that uh, the blog or, or the chicken forum because uh, it's, it's so detailed information, things that uh, a lot of folks just don't know about, so they don't know to post about it. They think, oh, it's as easy as just getting a syringe and drawing it up, and, and, and then they give it wrong. And then, like you said, they've got a false feeling of, of, of security, thinking they did it correct and they didn't, which could um, uh, mess up the results. It could end up having a bird that's truly not vaccinated when they think they are, and uh, all this great information. So I think it was a tremendous information and in, uh um, great information for the show and our listeners to have that about not just about Merrick's vaccine, but like, you know, any vaccine, just the simple things that a lot of times they don't think about. And I will stress this too. We've talked about it on 
uh, every webinar we've done with the USDA and the CDC, and that is please refrain from having vaccination parties. Uh, I haven't heard too much about that so far this season, but in years past uh, it, it ended up being kind of a popular thing to do because you would buy a thousand-dose vial of a vaccine uh, and you don't want it to go to waste. You just paid for it. And so you have your friends come over and bring their birds over and you vaccinate them all at one spot. It's not very good biosecurity practices. Um, and uh, so, so we do definitely discourage having vaccination parties, uh, which we have heard of and uh, seen people post about. So we do discourage that. But um, you were going to say something that I interrupted uh, yeah, just one other thing here uh, real quick, and that is with the killed vaccines, uh, because they are injected, uh, take care not to inject yourself um, because they do cause aggravation of tissue at the injection site. Uh, you could be in uh, serious trouble if you uh, truly got a significant amount of this into your uh, uh, tissue of your hand or wherever. So uh, should that happen, you would need to go to a doctor and tell them that you uh, injected yourself with a uh, uh, an oil emulsion vaccine. And usually they'll want to open it up and clean it out. That's the usual thing for it. So take care. Um, just one other thing. You know, if you're going to spend the time, effort, and money to do this, do it right. Plan it. Uh, take the uh, Make sure the appropriate amount of time to do what you want to do is, is available. Um, you know, to get the job done right. There's no point in doing it haphazard uh, because the results will be haphazard. You know, you'll think your birds are protected and they're not. Um, and, you know, we see it quite often where, you know, people go on to a blog or some other place and uh, somebody's doing something, and I will go back and say what I usually say. When you're running down the street and you're running out in front of the bus and you've been doing it for 10 years, it's fine until you stub your toe, fall on your face, and the bus runs you over. It eventually happens to most people, you know. Um, so this, this is no different, you know, uh, do a poor job and you will get poor results uh, as a result of that. So, uh, you know, the, the killed vaccines are a little bit more forgiving, okay? Uh, for instance, uh, you decide today you had everything planned out and you've got some help and you're vaccinating birds and you've got your first pen of birds done, and, and uh, you've got the day off, and the boss calls, and uh, you've got to come into work now. Okay. So you stop what you're doing, you know, and you take your vaccine bottle, and you wipe it down with alcohol. You stand it back up in the, uh, in the uh, container of alcohol for disinfection. You wipe off the excess. You do not touch the top of the bottle. You put it back in the refrigerator, and you go to work. You haven't lost anything, but your live vaccine going in the trash. So just bear that in mind. You know, they're taking the proper amount of time to get the proper work done, reaps great rewards, great benefits, a great job done, and uh, birds that usually end up being well protected. Good information. I was trying to find a, uh, a blog that was, I think here it is, I wanted to read you something out of it. It was uh, one of the worst ones I've ever read ever in the history uh, of, of chicken keeping. I'm trying to find it here. There was something, and I'm just going to share it with you before we run out of time. Um, let me get down here and find out about it here just a second. Um, it's 
just while you were trying okay, here, to find here, that. Here's, go ahead. Here's, here, here's a quote. It says, um, uh, it was a blog talking about uh, 17 or 18 or 20 or whatever it is, um, questions answered about you know starting backyard chickens or something like that. And here's one. Uh, in bold, it says, certainly don't get medicated feed. And then it says, <laughs> here it is. Here, ready? Oh, here's more. Medicated feed and vaccines, for that matter, were developed for industrial chicken farming, where there is wait, where there is absolutely no natural approach to chicken raising. Um, medicated feed is designed to prevent coccidiosis, which only occurs in extremely stressful situations. That's it. That's the only time coccidiosis ever occurs, folks, is in extremely stressful situations and through bad genetics. So so there we've got some uh, thank you. Um, and it says, um, there was more. So I wanted to share that with you, which I read, and I thought, oh, my gosh, people are actually reading this, trying to get their flock started, and uh, such a, such a, dis- I mean, it was one, it was, I, I can go on. It was absolutely jaw-dropping. At some of the information that was uh, in here, go ahead and say what you're going to say, and I'll come back. Yeah, and the, and the sad part about it is people people go with that and they 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 take that as gospel and they they run with it. And there's this whole thing, you know, this whole natural movement and everything else. And and I'll just go back and say, you know, uh, you know, arsenic is natural, so is lead. Um, you know, arsenic arsenic is natural, found in the earth. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, so just because it, you know, something is is natural and, uh, you know, uh, coccidiosis isn't brought out by stress, you have to be exposed to it. Uh, you know, just people are ignorant and they want to they want to go on and, and and think they're right and the power of a keyboard and staying behind it. And um, yeah, I don't have a problem. I I stop fighting those fights to be totally honest with you. And and uh, you know, if they want to go on with it and think about it that way, that's that's fine. You know, on on. Uh, and some people are, are humble. They don't know about something, and, and they learn about something. This had this happen uh, a couple nights ago on one of the uh, forums that I'm associated with, and uh, we were talking about coccidiosis vaccine and this and that and the other thing, and, and uh, somebody piped in there and said, that there is no such thing as coccidiosis vaccine. And, uh, you know, I uh, just gently went back in and said, well, it's been around for better than 20 years, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And uh, they came back and said, "Oh my God, it passed me by. I didn't realize it." You know, and and you know, so there are those things too. People just don't know, uh, you know, just weren't informed. But were humble enough to understand that, you know, uh, you know that, that they weren't right, and that, you know, nobody was making a big deal out of it. I wasn't making a big deal. I don't care one way or the other. But um, at the end of the day, uh, there is a lot of misinformation out there, and and uh, um, people per- perpetuate it. Uh, for whatever the reason, uh, I'm, I'm beyond trying to figure out why. You know, I'm beyond that. I just can't figure out why. I've been doing this long enough, and still haven't been able to figure out why they don't listen to good common sense. But you know, here's one for you. Uh, under the same little uh, post about uh, about things you need to do if you're going to raise chickens, uh, um, healthy chickens develop the necessary immunity. They don't need to be vaccinated. This can be done with good management, as described in my other articles. Merrick's is the most common disease they are trying to prevent with vaccinations. 
please understand that these kind of diseases are brought on by stress. Well, here's here's the uh, here's the ignorance part of that. Okay, you don't build uh, resistance to anything unless you've been exposed to it. Okay, I mean, if they're talking about breeding for natural resistance, that's a different story. But I will go back and say this: just because your bird didn't get sick and you're breeding for what you consider to be natural resistance doesn't mean that the bird is really resistant. Um, when a severe enough uh, disease problem comes around, uh, you don't know how hard it's going to bite you, and uh, especially if a bird has never seen it before. The response time of the immune system, that's what I was trying to relay with the difference between the live and the killed. Okay, They have to put things in that killed vaccine to make it respond quicker, otherwise... Uh, if the bird is exposed to a pathogen before the vaccine takes hold, it might as well not vaccinate them. It's you know, um, but you know, again, I, I don't I don't fight those fights very much anymore. You know, it's, it's if they if you want to believe in something stupid, go on with it. You know, I don't have a problem with it. They also have a picture and recommend giving day old, two day old, three day old, four day old uh, chicks uh, table scraps, and we just had. Um, poultry nutritionist, Dr. Um, Nancy uh, Jefferson on, talking about chick nutrition and uh, how um, most experts in their field, these PhDs, these poultry nutritionists, do not recommend any type of quote-unquote treats, uh, at least uh, until they are, geez, 8, 10, 12 weeks of age because their digestive system is not fully developed. So, um, And here they're giving... We, we did that whole series on on, on yeah. that. We talked we talked about that. We talked about how you know the the uh, the sequel tonsils, which are going to take care of most of your more fibrous materials. So what you have on whatever blog you're you're reading uh, is you have a, a total jackass that doesn't know how things work, that thinks they know how things work, um, and um, doesn't understand you know the uh, the developmental stages of the of the bird's digestive system. So. Uh, Here's, here's one for you. Here, here, I enjoy this. So, um, worms. This is just like I'm reading an encyclopedia on the spot. Worms. Worms are caused by overcrowding, stress, and poor feed. Okay. It, it's not. It's not. Um, oh my God. So, so, so. Anyway, I just wanted to share it with some folks. Some, I read this last week, and I was just, I was mortified. That's why we have the magazine. That's why we have folks like you and Dr. Bridget McRae and, and. Um, Dr. Patisky and everybody else on to try to get this right information out there, and so uh, just uh, so yeah, uh, just uh, over uh, yeah. Anyway, I was just very frustrated with that and wanted to share it. I got about yeah. four minutes uh, of air time, so uh, <laughs> we do it every day uh, on the show. We have for years, and sometimes you feel like you're beating a beating a dead horse. You just we can do what we can do. We can t- try to do the right thing, try to get the right information out there. And like Doc says, sometimes. Um, um, you know, Dr. McCray, yourself, you take it or leave it, you know. do Here's the information, do with it what you wish. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, hey, Peter, know, thanks. Yeah, it's just, just one of those things. I, I've come to the point where I, I read them, laugh, and go on because you'll never change that person's mind. I don't care how smart you are, how many books you have, how many PhDs you got, how many letters you got behind your name, how many degrees on the wall, uh, you know, and what's, what's that old story? You just can't fix stupid, so don't try. 
you know, the, the people yeah. that understand what we do here on the show and, and uh, you know, uh, all of the people that I, I know that I've personally helped uh, save their chickens and everything else, uh, um, th- that's the thing that keeps me going every day, not 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 stupidity like you were just reading there. That's just, that's just somebody that thinks they know something and they get a following of people who are just as dumb as they are. And, um, you know, what, what else can I say? Yep. Hey, thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, you can contact Peter, uh, chickendr at firststatevetsupply.com. Chickendr at firststatevetsupply.com. Visit him online, firststatevetsupply.com. And uh, he joins us every single Monday right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Thank you very much for coming on, Peter. I appreciate it. Great information today. Fabulous show. My pleasure. We'll we'll pick up with the uh, the chicken behavior thing and then... Um I, I think I emailed you about it, that other series that I want to start on, but uh, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll talk. Okay, very good. Hey, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us today. That's going to wrap up another show tomorrow's Friday. Hooray! Um, no uh, show tomorrow on Fridays, obviously. So we hope you have an absolutely wonderful and fabulous weekend with family and friends. Um, and we'll be right back here Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right, right here on Blog Talk Radio. So uh, have a great one. God bless everybody. Ah, 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 ah,